incoming transmission from Podfleet Command on screen. Welcome to the eighth episode of Trek Geeks Picard Live. Coming to you from an incredibly Dutch angle, my name is Barry DeFord, and I will be your inner light of remembrance while we look back at the episode uh, eight of uh, Star Trek Picard, which was titled Broken Pieces. If the internet drops, which it already did when we were in the green room, we have the EBH to help. Uh, Thanks to my lovely and talented uh, EBH, Dan Garcia, from the Trek Geeks Game Night. This show is streaming live on YouTube and Facebook, and now also available on trekgeeks.com. Picard Live is proud to have Fansets as our presenting sponsor, and we'll have some more information about them later, including the special discount code just for viewers and listeners of this broadcast. Just to let you know again, my angle is a little bit on the wonky side, but that's because I had to put this up a little bit fast. Just with the current situation with COVID-19, the school board that I am a part of has just declared that students are no longer to come to school, so my evening got a little bit wacky pretty fast there. So, uh, Apologies for uh, the weird angle, but this is how fast I can put up things. And you just get a better view of this lovely TNG uniform. And if you uh, are listening to this podcast a little bit later on, it won't matter at all because you can't see me. So let's get on to it with uh, a little bit of a warning that I like to call our spoiler alert. Let's get started right now by warning you all with a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. So you know the drill. At this point, if you have not seen episode eight of Star Trek Picard, stop now and check out the episode first, then come on back and you can uh, see what we've been talking about and listen to all of those things. But in the meantime, otherwise, I'm not here to tell you what to do. If you want to listen to it anyways, go right ahead because we've got some cracking commentary going on with it with what our first segment is called The Picard Maneuver. It's where we reorient ourselves to meet the man who we haven't met in a very, very long time. So... The Picard Maneuver is a nice way to just orient ourselves, as they say, to what just happened. So the first part here is uh, uh, all my uh, all my friends who might uh, say the Our Father in their place of worship at the very, very beginning when uh, Commodore O says, Our Foremothers. I was expecting her to say, Who Art in Space. Um, so that's a joke for any uh, of my uh, friends and, and uh, fellow Trek fans who like the uh, uh, who have who who grew up in, in church and all that sort of stuff. So the first piece here is uh, we have what takes place on the grief world, where we see a very disturbing situation take place. And I mean, we can talk about the idea that Narissa makes the cut. Her aunt kind of makes the cut, I guess you could say. And clearly Commodore O has as well. Um, we also figure out why people were harming themselves and, and doing all that. Apparently, once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. I guess maybe the first little piece that I want to talk about regarding that is, remember in 2012 when the Mayan calendar said the world was going to end in 2012? Well, it turns out that was wrong. It's because the calendar ended. It didn't depict the end of the world. That would be like reading the end of a book and determining that everyone died at the end because the book stopped. We wouldn't think the world didn't exist before the Mayan calendar uh, was made. So, I mean, that's a big thing. Also, I think when you look into it deeper, it was actually an Aztec calendar they were talking about anyways. I know a little bit more about Mayan, Chotol, and Tzotzil history from kind of that that sort of uh, where where the continents narrow into Central America. I don't know as much about uh, Aztec cultures, sadly. But like in all cultures, every group is going to be a product of their condition. And they can't necessarily speak for the entire uh, planet. And I think this is where we see the Romulans are definitely taking on quite a burden by uh, trying to do this on their own. But unfortunately, they hold a monopoly of information. And uh, what if they're wrong? Um, so, yes, like I said, Narissa does make the cut. Her aunt, unfortunately, breaks a board cube. Um, and I can sort of understand why. If we think about uh, when Hugh was to be placed back into the collective, this is a similar sort of thing, an algorithm that the Borg wouldn't be able to... Um, to, to figure out there must be some kind of fail safe that c- disconnects the cube from the rest of the from the rest of the collective if something like this is to happen the greatest villains also believe they're doing something right it's a trek hallmark always behind the synth attack i mean that's pretty much for sure and she thinks she's doing the right thing i also think narissa thinks she's coming from a good place of course she's using romulan cunning and we as humans don't necessarily subscribe to that sort of thing but i would think that probably your average romulan was thinking that both of these people were acting in the interests of their own people and for the rest of the galaxy the admonition scene also has two suns soji's planet has two moons i wonder if that was on purpose Rios, 
gets a blast from the past. The brother and sister thing is interesting, though I thought he would have had a longer connection to Janna than was led on at the start. At the same time, I could still see the thing being quite vexing to him, especially considering it uh, completely changed his life. Also, Rafi admonishes Picard for trusting too easily. I think it's fair that she does this, um, but they get a little too colloquial with the concepts of fact and theory. Of course, if you are a scientist, you understand that facts are theories, like the theory of gravity, which I will test right now. That's a theory. The theory is testable and retestable, making it basically a fact. What they're actually saying is theory or hypothesis. But uh, you know what? I will give them some space for it, though, of course, it did kind of bug me. Um, Girardi, Girardi clearly does not sound like she was uh, trying to kill herself, which is a bit of a relief. She was actually trying to save the crew. I think that's good. Picard gets his dukes up with Clancy, and she gets another chance to swear at him. Um, but it's on the good end of things, and I think that's great. I do think O is going to kill her, though. That's just my uh, my thoughts. Rio also Rios also ends up getting to show his acting skills in uh, all of the different fragments of himself, which I think which I think is important. When um, Elnor basically gets to build some exposition to get uh, Seven back on the cube, and I think that was really great when uh, he continuously asks her questions and she says, I can explain or I can steal this cube. I think that's a great uh, shot at Trek-style exposition and conversation that takes place. Sort of feels like she hotwired the, uh, the Borg cube to some degree. And I think Seven ne is neat as a uh, queen. She also refers to herself as Annika. I think she sort of represents the reluctant leader in a crisis. And I think the reluctant leader is typically the best. Um, she knows the heart of absolute power and she's reluctant to take it. I think that's a very, um, a very bold and, and, and good thing of her. So yes, Rafi ends up having a group sesh with all of the Rios uh, holograms. And this really does show um, the acting panache of the fellow who does that, whose name is suddenly escaping me. Live internet uh, TV, everybody. I just think it's superb producing as well. They really put all that together. I've been somewhat critical of Star new Star Trek uh, and their producing abilities. I still think they jump from scene to scene a little bit poorly from time to time, but this really shows their chops. Um, there is an expert team behind this series and they are putting together a very good show um mad props to the producers i also find that there's an innocent element to rios that manifests in the different parts of him and sort of remind me of my own mind uh, typically people say that they have a voice in their head i don't want to come off as someone crazy but i don't really think i have a voice i think i have several perspectives of the same voice and i think that's kind of what's being manifested in rios's uh, whole experience here there are different elements of their character what if the Jacques Vosch got this all wrong? Maybe some risk getting the male, uh, the male synth just gets beautiful flower. I mean, hey, whatever. It's all good. I just think, you know, Petunia, something. I don't know. There's a lot of push and pull that uh, ends this, uh, this whole episode. A lot of advantage and disadvantage. Tables are turning almost on a dime, much like the broken compass. That and the whole show kind of tumbles to the end, producing each story out concurrent kind of making a linear recap difficult so all i can really say is that the end of this whole episode sets up a lot of points of convergence and i think that's really important to understand and consider as we go into what is a two-part series finale i'm really sad that it's a two-part series finale coming up because i've really enjoyed spending my time with everybody so i'm going to pop over to the comments and say hello to all the folks and people talking so First off, first comment in, she said, hi, looking forward to this interesting episode. I think you're absolutely right. I think my internet might be getting a little bit sketchy as well. Um, my guest a little early. It's been a little wonky today. A lot of good evenings and hellos. Robert, that great. Kirk Schwinn, I haven't, uh, I, I think I've seen you before. If not, welcome to the show. It is Jamie McGregor greeting us from isolation. Oh boy, here we go. I do think that podcast, uh, podcast, um, the amount of podcasting that's going to go up if uh, podcasters start getting isolated. I haven't been myself, but here we go. Uh, Debbie Smart Multisanti, we're on spring break this coming week, but the governor has closed all Florida schools until March 30th. Oh boy, yeah, it's happening. I'm glad to be watching from the Daystrom Institute in Okinawa, coming from Ali Martinez. Nice to see you, Ali. That is wonderful. So let's see what we've got in terms of this. Arend says that uh, the admonition sounds so ominous. Yeah, they picked a very good name to talk about something absolutely terrifying, I uh, have to say. Um, 
Oh, someone says science. Bill Smith says science. Yes. Hypothesis and theory should be made distinguishable. And, and I do think that the writers need to answer for that. But uh, you know what? It's all good. Arend also says, I enjoyed Tan Clancy telling Picard STFU. Um, that was not the only one. No, definitely. <laughs> Becky 20 Tenable says that she loves the Rios holograms as well. I agree. And of course, um, the holograms are great. The moment that they all smacked themselves in the head simultaneously was fantastic. Helen, you're absolutely right. The uh, again, and that just goes to show, like, for for the actor to be able to do that with the same sort of successive blows to his head, plus the producer being able to get every single one done, that's uh, um, like that. That's the same like difficulty as like trying to thread a needle for me. It's calling me crazy. Uh, that's good. Let's see. Oh, yes, I got some rut rows and everything like that. So, you know what, everyone? What we can do in the meantime, then, people on here to talk. So if I disappear, the conversation can continue. So oh, let's get it. Oh, and I'm back. <laughs> oh, boy, it's really coming and going today, isn't it? All right. So let's get on to the Picard maneuver while I still have internet and introduce our guest. So, of course, like I said, you know, with um, Picard not being in um, in Starfleet anymore, he's going to make some different uh, choices, all these sorts of things. And we've definitely seen that come and go uh, quite a bit. So with that, I have a wonderful guest to introduce to you all. Her name is Sarah, and she is from Trek Rewind. Welcome to the show, Sarah. I'm going to get you on screen here. Hello. Oh. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> Oh, it's going, I, and and that that could be my internet as well, uh, as it as it likes yeah. to uh, pop up and down with the uh, the silliness of it. But you know, it's all good. So yeah, I noticed you is. also you brought a friend. Oh, yeah, it kind of <laughs> just like creeps up on me sometimes, and I just like spooks me. So well, yeah, I, it, I thought it, you know it's a, it's a fitting time. Fitting, how fitting, very fitting. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So, yes, um, Sarah, what, you're from Trek Rewind. What's that all about? Tell me about uh, your show. It is a, a hot mess of fun. Um, it is a newer podcast on the Trek Geeks Network, and it's kind of based, we're spinning off of um, the See It or Skip It episodes that Trek Geeks uh, would do for the different seasons of um, Star Trek. So me and my best friend Haley decided to start with season one TNG because that was the show that we uh, grew up on and, and loved like every episode we loved. So when I would listen to those see it and skip it episodes and they'd be talking smack about really good episodes and saying skip it, I was like, um, I beg to differ. I think some of these deserve <laughs> a second chance. Um, Code of Honor, never watched that episode. But yeah, uh, yeah so uh, Haley and I get together and we rewatch them. A lot of them we hadn't seen since we were little. So it was kind of fun to switch up the perspective now and watch it as an adult. Uh, I'm actually finding a lot of things have changed um yeah and then we just kind of reminisce about our travels to las vegas for the big convention and just other things like that and have a hoot and have a couple of cocktails and yeah it's fun so no, yeah I, let's I, check it out <laughs> yeah i quite enjoy it it's uh it's definitely um it, i there's some people who say that swearing doesn't belong in star trek but mm -hmm. um i disagree and you both actually do a fine job of <laughs> of making conversation realistic and casual in a way that um, I do think that, you know, um, people need to get over it. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> moving on. Um, so a couple of things that I just want to just get get some initial thoughts from you, Sarah. What, uh, what do All you right. think of this theory so far? And what are you thinking about the episode? To be honest, I definitely... Um, Episode passing. Um, when I did it, it was 40 episodes, and then I'd be very happy. So um, I find that the last couple episodes were really ramping up for what's going to be the two parter season finale. Uh, this last episode was kind of, I don't know, I had a lot of feelings about this episode. Maybe it kind of changed some of the directions I was going with what I thought about certain characters. So I'm really excited to kind of talk about that more. No, absolutely. And uh, I guess um, I think I think more than anything, more episodes is kind of what I'm hearing from a lot of people mm -hmm. is that they want to hear and see and, and get more of this. And and so I think that's I guess I'm just happy there's more Trek. But at the same time, now that I we have Trek, I mean, is it is it any wonder that we just want more now? So I know we're going to get greedy soon. 
I know, I know. So let's talk a little bit about what we saw today and mm -hmm. uh, and and little pieces. The first thing I want to talk about are the fragments of Rios. Of course, he brings up the idea that um, his uh, his captain Vandermeer does this about face that that kind of breaks him in half, and then he sort of gets shuffled out of Starfleet after a period of time. What do you think about the idea that Rios is is actually doing something that I think people tend to do is he's almost like shelving different emotions that he feels and then he makes them kind of into himself and then he kind of notice how he is so abusive and he he kind of attacks elements of himself over and over and over again um i don't know do you think that this is rios really and ultimately blaming himself for not doing something better in that moment or do you think this is kind of more something that manifests from grief um he's definitely compartmentalizing his feelings um i kind of wonder if the different um holographic versions of him he actually was able to unload um parts of his memory or parts of his feelings just to kind of shed it i don't i doubt that as a thing but it kind of feels like maybe that was where he was kind of trying to go with it by having such different characters around to talk to that would maybe keep him from self-reflecting on something that he probably still doesn't know how he feels about it i mean this is a character that he considered a father-like and to have such a sharp turn in the way that that man behaved in the whole situation. I mean, how do you just kind of move on from that? Yeah. And I think that's the thing is he has no prep, no pips, but a lot of problems. And, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I, you talking about him compartmentalizing and maybe almost downloading bits of his memory into this program. I actually don't think that's necessarily that far off because where does he keep all of his, his memories in a box? Mm -hmm. And then he's got another box and it's a box of cigars that has everything. And notice what he's always chewing or smoking. Right. He's always got a cigar in his mouth. And at yeah. first I was like, you know, that's gotta be something, but it's sort of maybe like a, like a new take on Freud in the sense that I don't think he's got the same sort of baggage that, that, that a, that a, uh, a psychoanalyst would have in this response, in this response. But I think as he smokes cigars, as he chews on a cigar, I think that's his way of dealing with those ghosts that he's put in little boxes around the ship. That's a, mm -hmm. that's a neat, that's a neat insight you have on that. That's what I really like about this show is that all the characters are so much more relatable than the characters that we saw in TNG and the original series. Um, people have nervous tics, people have pasts, people have issues with uh, substance abuse. It's very realistic. And I think a lot, it thinks it brings in a lot more fans because they can maybe relate to characters a bit more than they could before. Yeah, I think so. And and I think we can see ourselves in a lot of these different pieces. Like when Rios has clearly sort of yeah, divided his consciousness up into several different spaces, mm -hmm. what you get almost immediately is is for me is a thought that wow, like yeah, I've I've gone through these things before. I've I've managed to kind of argue and and have problems with myself and be angry and and all that sort of stuff. So I think that um Rios's response to this isn't necessarily one of um one of like unhealth, I think. I think it's it's a matter that he's sort of coping in the moment. Mm -hmm. But the longer he uses it, the worse it's going to get. The more this is going to become a crutch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So let's see what some folks have to say here mm -hmm. on that. Uh, oh, Aren still thinks that Rios is a hologram. I I don't know anymore. I mean, maybe I don't know. Do you think he's a hologram, Sarah? Sorry, who? Um, Rios. I, no, I don't. I don't. Not yet? I, Not, don't, I don't know, actually. At the start, I did. At the start, I was like, Rios has got to be a hologram. But now yeah. I'm like, eh, not ter terribly, terribly sure. Yeah, I, that's a good one. I, I think I'd be surprised if, if that was the case, personally. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess we'll find out. So the other little piece here that I wanted to talk about was uh, the concept of Zen and and what Jurati asks Soji when... Um, when she winds up um, kind of having her, your, her kind of return back into mm -hmm. the world of, of the living and, and everything. I think my, um, sorry, I'm just uh, getting a message here. I think my, my internet's still a touch sketchy. Anyways, the idea that, that uh, Gerardi asks her some very simple questions. She says, do you eat, you know, what do you do when you're hungry? What do you do when you're sad? And mm -hmm. it comes from a Zen saying that like, how do you properly practice Zen? And the ultimately what, what is said is eat when you're hungry, drink when you're thirsty, sleep when you're tired. All of those kinds of things are, are what makes a person a Zen master because what you're doing is you're, you're basically caring for yourself and you're, you're not being something greater 
than uh, than what you really are. And so I think that was a really interesting and entertaining kind of way of looking at it. Um, the actual Zen cone I have here, it says, someone asked a Zen master, how do you practice Zen? And the master said, when you were hungry, eat. When you were tired, sleep. Isn't that the way anyone does it anyway, is what the student said. And the master replied, no, no. Most people entertain a thousand desires when they eat and scheme over a thousand plans when they sleep. In other words, don't take life so seriously and just be yourself. And I find that's kind of neat in the sense of like what makes us sentient. I think, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on what makes someone like, do you think Soji should be just considered a person? It's the question she continuously asks Gerardi. What do you say, Sarah? Oh, that was such a great scene between those two actresses. Alison Pill is knocking it out of the park, uh, in my opinion, with this character, Agnes. Um, I, I'm a very scientific based person myself with my thoughts on a lot of things in the world. Um, and I think that if I was in that position, I would say she's not a person. I don't because of the technicality of the fact that she is synthetic. Um, but that's totally my opinion, and and I could very much, I would love to argue with people and debate about it because it's such a good topic. Um, well, let's argue and debate about it. I yes. think she is a what person. Okay. I think that she actually has um, the fact that she is capable of having emotional reactions to things. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's the point here is. Um, to, to bring up the idea that, that Steven Pinker, when he talks about the human brain, he says that it's basically a series of modular organs that work in sequence with one another to help us process the world around us. I mean, think about it. The brain is the, is the organ that named itself. Mm -hmm. And in that respect, we are basically, according to most neurological scientists and most psychoanalysts, um, robots with agency like we we have a we have a, a, a lizard brain that that basically makes our heart beat and make us react to stimuli and the more freaked out and upset we get like right now when people are panic buying toilet paper we're not <laughs> thinking with this part of our brain with our prefrontal cortex we're actually thinking with the fight or flight you know the the you know what are we going to do oh my god you know this kind of thing and in that respect our ability to act in a way that would be considered rational or sentient actually kind of backs off a bit and we start becoming more instinctive mm -hmm. and i think with regard to the way if some if if a, if some kind of artificial life was to pass that threshold and be able to understand that what it was doing wasn't it was morally good but not morally obligatory as was mentioned in 2009 Star Trek i think that by itself defines sentience what do you say to that well <laughs> amazing <laughs> no i mean this a lot of this is is just my opinion from watching a TV show. Now, if I was Agnes and I was there with this character or I was, that could be a whole other reaction, right? I'm a person who still can barely figure out how to use my phone. So technology, I don't want it getting any smarter because I can't keep up with it already. Like it's, so last thing I need is it just like locking me in my house and, and taking control. So. Yeah, well, speaking of control, <laughs> I do think that there, I, I wonder if there's going to be a tie-in somehow to, mm -hmm. to Discovery Season 2 in Picard that, like, you know, yeah. something something is up there. And, yeah. I mean, I guess, like, some people said at the, uh, at the start that maybe not, that wouldn't necessarily be a thing. Mm -hmm. But um, just, just the way they're kind of doing, doing this whole, you know, the end is, is the synths and everything, I wonder mm -hmm. if there's going to be some kind of question. So let's mm -hmm. pop through a couple of comments here and see what uh, folks are saying here. Doodly doo. Ah, here we are. Uh, Becky 20 Tenable. I love the scene because it reminds me how people with disabilities are treated. Soji is different. That's absolutely right. Um, my step, uh, my brother, sorry, uh, my stepdad took good care of him, but my brother uh, Kent, uh, who sadly passed away at the beginning of this year, um, grew up with cerebral palsy and epilepsy, very severe. And yeah, I mean, the way he was treated, the way people would talk around him changed quite a bit. And um, I don't think it was necessarily people not recognizing his sentience, but maybe not understanding the way he communicated. Um, I do think that that there is a, a lot of talk about types of disabilities in this uh in this TV show. I, I, and I appreciate the way they're approaching mental disability in a lot of cases. Let's see what else we got going on here. Christina says humans are different, are a different kind of machine. That's what Picard said in the measure of a man. Yeah. I mean, he did mention this and maybe to some degree, maybe the entire series of Picard is like a retread of measure of a man. I mean, all the characters are present. Oh, that's a really good point. 
See, this is why I this is why I do this show. I mean, like I'm meaningless. It's, it's the focus <laughs> on the content. <laughs> well, and all this discussion of Measure of a Man has me pretty much positive that that was a see it. So now I'm going to have to make sure that I watch it on my own time because I'm, <laughs> I'm realizing now I'm missing some really good episodes by doing these rewatches. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We, you know the good part is, is, is if you ever like do like a retread after going through all of the skippets, and then you hit all of like the emphatic see it's, oh. you're, you're gonna, you're gonna have a good time. That's that, uh, totally. That's, that's a good way. Let's see here. Arend uh, says he might not have needed them at all. What uh, would it matter to be a hollow? Um, would it matter to a hollow? Yeah. Why would why would um, uh, Rios need all of these different holograms? Absolutely. Um, Adam Sanders says humans are the most imperfect of machines. I think that is maybe another piece here is the blending of art and science coming together. And I think there's a bit of a statement happening here. I mean, back in the old days, um, biologists were called natural philosophers. I think scientists themselves were called natural philosophers. And I think to though, I think the, um, you know, the, the current like standard model of science is, has, you know, gotten us to the moon and back and, and further in terms of what we can understand. I do think that to some degree there needs to be an art to science. I, I'm not too sure. Maybe it's because I'm in, in school all the time and I mm -hmm. kind of see that blend. I don't know, but do you, do you see an art to science as well? Yeah, it's a Fibonacci sequence. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's beautiful. It's absolutely and beautiful. If, and if anyone doesn't know, the Fibonacci sequence is basically a series of spiraling mathematical equations that you can see in like if you looked at an acorn or if you looked at the way the tree sp a tree sprouts its leaves or if you look at the flower way a seashell flower petals yeah mm -hmm. it's uh it's embedded within us i mean if you really think about it the fibonacci sequence works in a strand of uh, dna yeah so pretty cool stuff Let's see what jackie has to say nice to see you jackie a person is being uh, a person is a being that has certain capacities or attributes such as reason, morality, consciousness, or self-consciousness. She is self-aware, thinks, and therefore she is. And therefore she is. Well, I mean, that's the Cartesian. That's the Cartesian argument. I think, therefore, I am. I don't know. I mean, does that work in the sense of like, should we be nicer to the trees we cut down? That's a good question. Because they kind of think, Oof. you know, they they can move around like telephone mm -hmm. poles and stuff like that and you mm -hmm. know they're they're clearly assessing the, the world around them mm -hmm. i don't know this has some some implications uh for me but um yeah. let's move on to the next little piece here oh and i've moved my there we are so the perfect thing is imperfect perfection is dangerous i often wonder if sometimes people always looking to make the their lives exceptionally perfect or exceptionally the way we want it to be is maybe almost like a recipe for disaster. I don't know about you, Sarah, but being an adult has basically been just like a reminder that not everything is always going to go your way. And sometimes it kind of rains on us all and poop happens. And sometimes you just got to be the best you've got to be. I don't know. Is this series is maybe this series trying to do that as well. It's trying to comfort us through hard times. I think so. I mean, it's such a different vibe than anything we've ever seen Captain Picard in before. And if I am correct in my remembering this, he, Patrick Stewart himself, when he read it and he kind of figured the tone of the show, it was what sold him on coming back. Um, yeah, it's darker, but I like it. And I know that this is a huge hot topic for a lot of people. They don't like the swearing. They don't like the the gore. Um, I do. It, that's totally my kind of thing. I, I love it. But I can really appreciate those that are finding it not to be what they're uh, wanting. Yeah, I can too. I guess for me, and and for, I mean, maybe it's just because instead of being ripped from the headlines, our headlines are almost kind of being ripped from the things that are happening. I mean... <laughs> we think of of the situation that we're in now where there's a deep amount of uncertainty and fear and i think all we want is a comforting voice to tell us that everything is going to be okay and mm. isn't it good that space dad is back <laughs> to tell yeah. us everything is going to be okay right um, and i mean think about like what would happen on the bridge of the enterprise if something like this would happen right i mean they would all have to work together to make mm. it work and to make things happen and to make people um know that that if everyone does their job and everyone does their thing we're going to be okay it's we, we have to trust one another i think ultimately and mm -hmm. uh yeah it's uh it's a little bit uh it's a little bit on the nose right now but uh i don't know did, yeah. did, you, did you find like did you I, i'm not i'm gonna ask did you watch much star trek as a kid yeah i did i watched uh tng like repeatedly uh d space nine a little bit of voyager so you know between the years of like 
1990 and 1996 was when I was like yeah. really into it, you know, in those <laughs> awkward preteen and teen years. Never really watched much TOS. I'm still thinking that might be something I'll have to do. Yeah. So did you find that like Picard kind of helped with making a making like just kind of making sense of the world and, and stuff like that? Or am I or am I kind of going off in the wrong direction here? No, I think you're making a really good point. I don't know if Picard was that voice for me so much. Um, I looking back uh, on my memories of when I was a kid, I really, really, as a little girl, I really looked up to the the Dr. Crusher and the Troy and like the female characters, um, Kira, Dax. Um, so if when it comes to Picard and a lot of those and Cisco, um, I didn't have that much of a connection to them. I liked them. Uh, I I think maybe I saw them more in that authoritative thing where it's like I keep keep that safe distance. You know, I always had a real good uh, you know thing for keeping my distance from the authority of the scary people who are in charge. I don't want to get in trouble, <laughs> so I'm not here. But like some of the other characters that had that warmth, I found maybe a little bit more yeah. less intimidating. Yeah, and and I mean Picard does come off as cold quite a bit in mm. TNG from time to time. Yeah, and and yeah, that kind of austere front gets challenged quite a bit. And mm -hmm. I think this is maybe where Picard almost becomes a little more perfect in his imperfection. Like when he tries to come back and do exactly what he did before, he's tripping on his shoelaces for the first three episodes and getting yelled at by people pretty much the entire way through, and he's still mm -hmm. getting sworn at. So. <laughs> Well, uh, and in this episode alone, when he's sitting down talking to Soji about data, because she's asking, I mean, this is more emotion that we've seen from him in a long time. And I think that that shows how much he's changed is the fact that he can talk about it now about how he felt about data and how he wanted to know how data felt about him. Yeah. And that, that conversation between him and Soji, um, I think actually is, um, is the piece that I want to kind of lean in on on this here is is the fact that soji says something really important is how would you want data to remember you if you were gone and that for me just spun everything on its head mm -hmm. i uh, i really appreciated that i mean i don't know do, do you stop and think like i wonder how what i wonder like what do i want people to think of me like if i, I actually ended up in the ditch last week um i was driving uh regular speed i wasn't speeding actually or anything and uh, i got cut off and i did like two full like plies on the icy highway and i went straight into the ditch sideways and i sat there for a second thinking like wow if another car was there i'd be dead like that would have been it yeah. like i would have been rolled and that would have been that but um i thought like when this this piece came forward i was like man i wonder what people would think of me and i know that may be mm -hmm. a little bit of a dark conversation for the folks listening but uh I, I guess it resonated with me in the sense that uh, if we started thinking about that a little bit more um, yeah. and, and started thinking about what kind of impression we make out there and, and genuineness that, uh, that, that we can have towards one another, rather than always trying to put up that austere front, mm -hmm. I guess. Let's see here. So Becky 2010 says, okay, I love the fact that Picard said that he like data had trouble expressing his emotion and yeah. So questions to Picard. Mm-hmm. There's something there. I think there's something in that uh, in that whole in that whole conversation where you start realizing that maybe Picard's more of a fake person too hmm. than he thinks. I, I don't know. I feel like that was a test that she administered there. You think? I think so. I think so she's. You... I think she's worrying more about data than she's letting on. Hmm. Okay. So, so knowing what the answer is, like when she said that he loved you. It, I just feel like that maybe there's a little bit more that she's discovering that maybe she's kept close to the chest. Hmm. That's an interesting way That's of putting theory. it. Too. And she starts eating after that as well. Ooh. Yeah. What were they having? Um, Not French fries and peppermint ice cream. That came later. <laughs> dry white is what uh, Dan Davidson is shouting ah. at us right now. So that's a thing. Yeah. I'm drinking juice. Sorry. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm drinking chamomile tea. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I got like, cranberry juice and water yeah. <laughs> debbie uh, says that i found the statement of picard's very relatable i disagree that he is a fake person though yeah i live television makes me not say the right things always exactly i don't know that he's a fake person it's that he he it's that front right yeah. it's that it's that front he was trying to put up and he's trying to be someone else and i think troy is the one who kind of leaned him in the right direction as jackie says with troy with a heart yeah well, I think especially because of the role that Picard played. I mean, people who are in a position of authority uh, sometimes have that personality that keeps them 
distancing. I see it in government with people who are at really high levels and it's that professionalism, it's that that wall. And him as a captain of a ship, I mean, he took it there and he held true to it. Yeah. And he doesn't have to be anymore. And I think that's the best part. Yeah. Like when he sits down at the controls and he's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no I'm doing. <laughs> I love that. That was so good. Yeah. Uh, so the last little bit here is being driven by fear. The Jacques Vache and, the, and their burden bearing that they're doing. So they get this mm. whole inside track that if they make too much synth life, then the world's going to blow up or something. And sure. Great. That's yeah. that's good. But I also wonder to some degree, like, why on earth weren't they like being like, hey, everyone, you need to come here and look at this right now because this <laughs> is a big, big problem. Instead, they're like, shh, we'll deal with it ourselves. Yeah. I, don't know. I have a question like, about that, too. Yeah. Um, in case I missed something or I, I didn't I didn't read it right. But when they were explaining at the end of the episode a bit more about what the situation was and that when you touch it, you see this vision of what happened thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands years ago. Did, they imply, or did Agnes imply that when they hit that threshold and crossed the line, something showed up like a species or that they crossed a line and what they had created crossed the line too? I wasn't sure if it was both or one or the other. Or... Yeah, I don't know. And that's like the scary is like, like okay. what if it is like kind of like uh some kind of, some kind of universal like greeting like, call. Yeah. Or like an umpire who's like, no, <laughs> you can't do that. Like, who well, knows, yeah. right? And, yeah. and it is that Zephyrin Copperkin thing that like, we won't contact you. It's like, it's like the prime directive from hell in some mm -hmm. case where like, mm -hmm. but then again, I think that's one of our biggest fears is that if, if, if artificial intelligence becomes by any order of magnitude smarter than us, mm -hmm. then that could wipe that. I mean, they could just see us as irrelevant and they could just wipe it up, wipe us out much like control tries to in season two or season three of discovery, right? Mm -hmm. Or season two of discovery. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, I like this idea of this like species out there somewhere that's watching for this. It kind of makes me think of, I'm not going to remember the name, but the species that the Borg designates with a number because they yeah. were from a different um, realm of existence and they would just kind of rip open and come through. So like, what if that's something that's like watching? Or... And the Borg did a lot to piss them off. Yes. So I'm almost wondering if maybe that's that that could be, and I've, I've, I've got my numbers wrong right now. So if anyone in the comment land wants to give me the correct numbers for the designation that Borg gave them, but they're from fluidic space and they are freaking terrifying. Yes. But a mix between like Jar Jar Binks and a Xenomorph. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's the mixture nobody asked for. <laughs> Arend, thank you very much. Yes, uh, Species 8472. 8472, uh, yes. And Debbie also brought that up, Species 8472. Exactly. And Ooh. I would not be surprised. I also wonder if there's an Iconian, this is getting into a bit of Stargazer stuff. I wonder if there's an Ar Iconian connection um, to this as well, especially considering they used what was, you know, like you know the way they say like an ancient civilization got really advanced and those that's the only real ancient civilization that i can really think of that that had mm -hmm. anything to do with that mm -hmm. yeah it was but, a great opening scene it was super scary yeah it was, great. It, it was gross and scary and i mean yeah. i guess it kind of lines up the jat Vash as not necessarily bad bad guys mm -hmm. but bad guys who think right they think they think they're protecting the end they might They'd be a lot less, yeah, they'd be a lot less bad guys had they kind of told people about what was going on. But because yeah, they're keeping that exactly. elementary mystery, it makes them that much more scary. Exactly. Well, let's take a pause for a second and, and talk about something that is never hard to talk about, uh, and that is fansets. So before we uh, do continue, of course, um, we would be remiss if we did not bring up our sponsors and trek family at fansets and there's so many ways to express your fandom these days so if you're looking for artistry care and attention to detail um just basically a friendly group of people who are, are doing good work um definitely uh, you should check i have a number of their uh, uh of their pins that i've gotten both at convention and uh just through uh, ordering them online and everything like that and i've never been disappointed there's new pins for picard coming as well uh we've got soji dr gerardi Rafi, picard rios and we just found out um this was a couple of weeks ago that there's going to be episode pins coming out as well so that's pretty great so if you find yourself uh trotting around and you're not necessarily uh you you're looking maybe for a gift for someone who doesn't necessarily like star trek specifically um i mean nobody's perfect they do actually have a number of different genres and different um, uh, franchises, Harry Potter to Alien, DC, 
offer to Picard listeners and this work of their uh, products uh, online or in their store. Um, listeners uh, to Fansets, um, or sorry, listeners to Picard can get a 15% discount code uh, order while Picard season one is on. Say another two from the next release. So Picard Live, that is P-I-C. I think Barry was trying to tell everybody about the Picard discount. Picard Live to get 15% off. All caps. Yes, Maybe. it seems our... Oh, there's one of our Canadian... There he is. Come back. Your internet over the line you. is uh, a little sketchy today. Oh, you back, Barry? I might be back. Nope. Oh. I hear your audio. Here I am. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay, I'm back. Welcome Where did back. I get to, everybody? Basically, fansets rocks and... Um, yeah, there's Janeway. Look at that. And she wears the uh, Captain's love uniform a lot better than me. Much better. <laughs> but uh, what can I say? So let's get on to the Stargazer. She's, I think she's wonderful. So let's get on to the, star- the Stargazer, where we are going to be looking at some of the things that we may- might be lying in store for us coming forward uh, in the last two episodes. I still can't believe there's only two episodes long. Nope. <sighs> nope. Don't say it. It's not happening. I'm waiting for a random yeah. surprise to be unleashed upon the internet where it's like, surprise, there's <laughs> going to be 45,000 more. It's yeah, going to be exactly. a soap opera, one every day. <laughs> oh, man. <Could> you <laughs> the imagine? bold and the beautiful in space. So I think oh, the first thing I want to yeah. talk about in the Stargazer is Seven of Nine and her absolute badassery. Yas, queen. So first oh. of all, her her getting into the queen chamber and loading up and I don't know there was something maternal in her. Yes, there was. There was something maternal in her. This was the first time I ever felt really really bad watching a bunch of Borg die. I was like it, <gasps> it was terrible, right? <laughs> it was it was. I was not expecting that reaction, but when those doors opened and they just got sucked out into space, I was like, but what? those could all be potential spinoff shows about that person becoming <laughs> who they were again, and you're ripping it right out of my hands. So well, one, I, thing, uh, yeah. one thing that I, I do have to say she she did bring up that I, I think is important for us to consider is when Elnor says, like, like, if you get this power, what happens? And she's basically like, this could get out of control and yeah. I might not want to give up my power. And I think about that idea that she is capable of looking directly at herself and who she is and realize that once given that type of absolute power, and for me, that's a sign of extremely, mm-hmm. extremely good leadership. Mm-hmm. What are your yeah, thoughts the fact on that? She used on... her real name. Yeah. Yeah, using her real name at the end to kind of keep that, um, I want to say it's almost like a tethering between the two existences. You know, it's like having a safe word in a way of like, if if I start wanting to move over to this dark side, I've got the name that reminds me of who I am and the mission I have. And then it that's kind of the way I looked at it. And then Eleanor just standing in the corner, like, um, you're not going to assimilate me now, are you? That was so fun. I think his character is <laughs> such a good little bit of comedy relief in some of those dark episodes. You know, he he basically a little chorus to just sort of be us, right? He sort of sits on on Seven mm-hmm. of Nine's shoulders or like her one shoulder and kind of watches mm-hmm. the whole time and kind of adds these, these little these little pieces in. Like his character really isn't given a heck of a lot to do and he really makes the most mm-hmm. of it. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. his play off that because yeah, that would be my first question is like, I am now standing next to the Borg Queen. Uh, usually this doesn't end yeah. well. <laughs> No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but it, yeah, it was it was a really cool scene, just in general. The special effects, the 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 tone, the way it was filmed, the cinematography of it, all of it, it just came together to be such a really good scene and a great um, deep dive into kind of where Annika slash Seven of Nine is in her headspace and how much she's changed and grown. <laughs> and we lost. Oh, there he goes. He's frozen in space. Yeah. Got the carbonite. Yeah, looks like we lost him again. Well, that's fine. He'll come back when he comes back. Um, I can't pull up what people were thinking that what they have to say about the um, whole scene, but are we able to 
read some of the viewers' yes. comments? So, oh, here he comes. Oh. Here you go. Previous episodes previous did a great job of showing the Borg as victims that made the scene heartbreaking when they expelled in space. Totally agree. Yeah. Especially, yeah, every episode where you're starting to see these XBs, you know, they're just, they're people that are victims that you want to see have a chance at the life that they maybe once had or didn't even have a chance to have if they were assimilated at a very young age. So, yeah, yeah I think we said, I think I mentioned that before before the show that watching them fly out was a, was like every, every character flying out was a redemption that was lost mm -hmm. for each one of the XBs. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Barry. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but, uh, well, it, you know what, actually it was like my, minus 30. It's going to get up to like minus three. So for you, Merck and, um, uh, geez. Wait, wait! Did you say Americans? Like, Americans. Yeah, you Americans. Starts with an M, it's apparently. Like, yeah, we're we're getting up into like the the mid twenties, and we were down in like the with the way the ground is shifting. It's cutting. So, a frustrating circumstance. But I actually, Dan, your point was exactly it's nice and sunny on the island. I know, I know. I should move. Um, anyways, <laughs> so Dan Dan actually brought something that I think is really really important by saying that. Um, Every Borg that was lost was a potential redemption that was lost. Yeah. It's well said. And that's 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 really interesting. I, I like that point. And and mm -hmm. um Becky 20 Tenable says the series did a good job of humanizing the villain. Seven of Nine is getting a redemption arc as well. Yeah, everyone's mm -hmm. getting their, their redemption mm -hmm. throughout this. And I think that's good. Yeah. Well, if I'm gonna Absolutely. if I'm gonna lose uh lose my internet, I'm gonna keep on trucking through the uh, pieces here. The last <laughs> <laughs> so destroy and is gonna be this destroyer that they think I don't know. I think that she doesn't know. I think that with Soji learning so much about herself so fast, I think that there's a chance that there could be a little bit of um unpredictability or unable to predict what she's capable of. I think when she slammed her hand down on that table, I think she even probably startled startled herself. So think she wants to be good but i think so too threatened and and i people dying i think she right? has i think she has the choice and i think being mm -hmm. sentient i think she is going to make that choice um mm -hmm. rafi i think is going to solve this puzzle and probably to her own destruction and it yeah oh i want to know what your point was but you froze again yeah, I think I'm going to keep myself in stream here so we can have at least bouncing conversation between two of I us. I wanted to know because... what's going to happen with... Oh. Go ahead. Oh, nothing. I was just going to say, um, I didn't know what his point was going to be about Raji, so I was going to move on to another character, but I think he might be back. I am. I'll say it really quick before I disappear again. Boy, it's been a rough night. Um <laughs> Buffy basically is going to solve the puzzle, but the way she solves it is through her own destruction somehow, and it's making me preemptively sad. Well, she, she keeps that uh, program in line so she can't get her alcohol. We know that she'll be <laughs> at least sober when she's uh, coming forward with all these things. Brilliant yeah. on her part to have set that security system up. I love that. Um, I'm concerned about Agnes. Yeah. What when she said, I, I, I want to commit suicide every single day, I worry that that is a bit of a, a warning to the viewers that that could be something that happens. Maybe not her. I mean, there could be possibly other people who get that flash of what she saw and they can't handle it. It's just, it was such a sobering moment. And I was like, oh God, like, uh, yeah, I'm not ready for I, that. I wonder yeah. I wonder if she's going to not be able to unsee what has been seen in a lot of cases there. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, up here, uh, mm -hmm. uh, danger man number five, danger man five says, is there a temporal, a temp a temporal anomaly is affecting the stream. It seems, <laughs> uh, that was good it, timing, especially when he's trying to say there's a temporal anomaly. So that makes it interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, you know, it's Alberta. I mean, come on. I, it's not like it is in BC. I mean, they're uh, they're frozen solid tundra. See, there he goes. He's reloading. So, oh, his, bye, Barry. so his next line here is that uh, will uh, Raffi will solve the puzzle. So, mm-hmm. and I'm back, and, and he's back again. Go ahead and uh, share what you were <laughs> you were you were thinking about this. Raffi solve the puzzle. Puzzle. Yeah. So she, she's got the conspiratorial mind. She's putting everything together. Everything's kind of clicking back. And, and I think she, she's mm-hmm. going to realize that she can solve it, but it'll come at her own destruction. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you, Barry. Sure. Uh, what do you think about um, Beautiful Flower as a name? <laughs> I think it's lame because give all these pretty orchid names to... They could have called them something cool like Petunia, right? But do you think it has a reason behind it? Like maybe because it was the first one, so it was just just I don't know. Not to skip a little bit, but did you notice that in the preview, the next one, the weapons platforms kind of look like a flower? Oh, I didn't see the preview for the next episode. So my thought is maybe that maybe the the defensive might have art, artificial intelligence based on what they put in whatever that guy was that uh, from the past. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. That, That's that a good is, one. That is, hmm. I love our, uh, our commenters have had to say here because they're typically, like I say, lighting the world on fire here. Uh, Debbie says, does anyone actually... Does anyone actually... Uh, Clancy. So what the, what the statement was. Ooh, yep. So go ahead and repeat that line because you broke up there, Barry. She said, uh, Debbie said that does anyone think that Clancy is sending a squadron? I feel like she. I think she is. She was swearing. She was feeling some passion in that moment. So she probably just wanted to shut him up so she could tell him some good news. Well, do you think she knows or do you think she's being manipulated? I think she's being manipulated. So maybe she doesn't, she's not siding with O as much as she's being manipulated into. Yeah. Yeah. See that. And like, O is such a, a confusing character now too, because like, um, was it Narissa? Was that her name? Yeah. Narissa. Uh, she, yeah. Like here we go with thinking that this plant in Starfleet, who's this horrible person, but now we realize that she's actually trying to do something really good. So that makes it, oh, what an episode. I tell you, I don't even know what to think anymore. <laughs> well, I think if I she need does a good, tell, like, yeah. I think if she does tell, um, Oh, she's going to get killed. I think that's going to be the way it goes there. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm let's. Go, I'm looking at my notes right now. So, let's go into some supplementals here, and uh, and maybe we can finish off the the episode just with my internet popping in and out and everything. Obviously, uh, you you and Dan, and, uh, Sarah, have to keeping that going, and everyone on the uh, on. We're trying. I was in an improv troupe for about four months when I was 21 years old, so <laughs> I got this. I do this all the time with Trek Geeks Game Night. I stumble a little bit more as I try to remember my storylines, but this is not so bad. Yeah, at least I know what I'm talking about because I had to watch this episode again to make sure I was like, what happened? So, all right. Oh, there we go. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. I am sorry, guys. This is crazy and fun, and it's live It's live television, right? That's the best part about it is uh, on live television. I feel television, like you... you- you need like a really good like little piece of classical music that you can do every time you're coming back in. So it's like this epic like <laughs> moment. <laughs> well, first I just wanted to talk a bit about Rios and his accents. Um, the fact that we're capable of seeing so many different uh, um, representations, I think is fantastic. Also um, the actor and the name escapes me. Um, he actually played Camillo Cien Fuego in, um, in a really good uh, rendition of Che. He's also been in so many, many different the acting talent from yeah. from you know john delarco to um um i forget her first name but last name uh pill allison yes yeah. yeah and it was santiago nice oh. his last name San- uh, yeah santiago, santiago Cabrera is the name 
Ah, yeah. yeah, Santiago Cabrera. Yeah, very, very good. Um, just, just acting, and of course, he sings a Puerto Rican ship back, which, which I think totally. It's con leche, right? It makes rice, me want to know a little and, bit and more. And... <laughs> you keep. I keep feeling like I'm interrupting you because you keep pausing a little bit. We're lagging. We're lagging. Uh. We're lagging. Uh, I was going to say that with the way that that's set up with those different um, holograms on the ship, it makes me wonder how far has that technology changed? Because right. uh, when they uh, when they say that when he self, uh, what was the word that they used for self-scanned himself by accident? Uh, that's kind of a cool thing I'd never heard of before. Maybe I'm wrong and I missed it somewhere, but. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and the fact that that he's able to completely become these different people um, who all have like elements of each other, right? There's like the more macho version. There's kind of the more like when the navigation hologram gets kissed, he just sort of goes, he just sort of touches his cheeks. Like, Oh my goodness. Um, I don't know. There's, there's little bits of, of like the boy of, of Rios. And then there's like the gruff kind of, yeah. I don't give a crap kind of Emmett. And, and there's yeah, the close talker. Ugh. Yeah. I didn't, I don't like the hospitality hologram at all. He's a mouth breather. It bugs me. If anyone should not be the close talker, it's the hospitality guy. Mm. Right? Ugh. Yeah. And then the engineering guy has the Scottish accent. That's a bit of fan service, eh? <laughs> mm-hmm. I caught that. Yeah. Yeah. I like his Glaswegian accent. Actually, it's it's a pretty strong one. He says Ken for no a lot. And if you don't have any Scottish friends, when they're like, oh, yeah, I can't even, he's back. It's like, I know him from a, a while ago. So that was uh, that was an entertaining <laughs> little little chunk. But I think, totally. I think I think the big piece here is what we see is for everyone, everyone's kind of Humpty Dumpty in this. And they've all had yeah. a great fall at some point. And they're all picking themselves back up. And they're all putting themselves mm -hmm. back together. And mm -hmm. I think that's really the ultimate piece of this is no matter how much things fall apart, we can always put ourselves back together. Even if my internet falls mm -hmm. apart, that's what you and Dan are here for, to put my show back together. <laughs> and you've Got done a fine back. job of it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, good test. Let's see what uh, Becky Twenty Tenable says here. Okay, with all these advanced holograms, why would anyone socialize now? This would be the <laughs> ultimate so social distancing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I would not want them to be in versions of me. Are you kidding me? Oh God. Ooh, I can only deal with one of me. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd, fine. I'd pick more interesting people, pretty much across the what across the board. I have like my. Are you frozen? Um, you froze actually that time. I was gonna say, yeah, that was you this time. Canadian internet all the way around. <laughs> I right? think we're being hacked. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, this is this is what's happening. I'm so honored. The last little maybe? piece here. Yeah, you should be. It's a it's a, it's a big uh, it's a big and entertaining uh, world we live in with internet uh, bizarreness. Actually, maybe there's just so many people on the internet. All the taps have been turned on, and so it's just not flowing right. Yeah, uh, everyone's every home. Direction. I always like to think of. Yeah, exactly. So next time, if this, this happens, we... we should all go like this at the same time. That would be perfect. <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh. And for those of you listening, we've all bopped our heads. So next week on Picard Live, we're going to be considering the penultimate episode of Star Trek's Picard um, first season, titled in, Et in Arcadia Ego Part 1. And um, following an unconventional, dangerous transit, Picard and his crew finally arrive at Soji's homeworld, uh, Coppelius. However, with Romulan warbirds on their tail, their arrival only brings greater about the place. So I think this is an interesting um, kind of end here that we're going to end up uh, moving from from a lot of things happening at once. What do you guys say? Are we going to basically see a, a tumble? Well, not sure what well, that question uh, was, but... <laughs> I'm not sure either. I think he's... Uh, I'll, I'll think that uh, we yes. saw in the preview that we're going to lose or the ship's going to come down a little bit. So I wonder if they're prepping for a replacement ship for next season. Mm, I, mean, I didn't see the preview it, for the next episode. So this is exciting to me to hear about this. Well, I mean, it isn't a Star Trek trope that uh, every time we get at the end of a movie or end of the series, we start having issues with the ships and maybe lose them. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, given all that happened in the episode, no, I was going to say, given all that happened in the episode, I really liked how they, well, before the, they transported, but that, I love that ending of the conversation between Rios and um, Picard. Like, you know, she almost, she took my ship over. Shouldn't we be scared? And just Picard's take on it about it's different times for different people. We're curious. It kind of gave me a little glimmer of hope, but then uh, it's two episodes. So it's going to be action packed. It's going to be big. I figure so. I, I'm, I'm figuring the last two episodes for this season is going to wrap some stuff up. Mm-hmm. The other thing is you kind of wonder with the way they've already approved or uh, already set up for season two, you kind of wonder what kind of things are going to set up to transition in the season two being the end of the season mm-hmm. type of thing, you know, mm-hmm. where their transition is going to be in the final two episodes. Are they going to, you know, are we going to lose characters, gain characters? Are we going to bring on long-term crew characters? We, we're supposedly we have a fleet coming, so maybe that's something to look at. Maybe we bring in a ship or something like that. He takes over. Who knows? Yeah, I, could I hope Riker is leading the Armada. <laughs> which which Riker? <laughs> oh yeah, right. Maybe it's Tom. Oh my God. <laughs> he, he, got with, he, he got done with his uh, prison term and uh, turned his ways around. It's been Tom this yeah, whole time, exactly. and Troy had no idea. <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, <laughs> there's something for you <laughs> oh man um i i'm curious to see if you messed up i'm curious to see if what what we're learning about oh and their whole and the backlash i'm curious about that side we're going to get you to repeat that. You froze up on us this time. Canadian internet. I have never had internet problems. This is embarrassing. Oh, I was just going to say that I'm curious That's to see how much of a political issue is. Keep Good. going. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I'm going. curious about the politics of it. Is Starfleet going to be found to have um, been lying or covering up? And when they find out what O was doing, I'm just curious about that side of things just is it all gonna crumble i wonder what i wonder if O is going to have her uppance come through gerardi Mm -hmm. yeah keep the shades on lady play it cool (laughs) yeah yeah well i hope gerardi knows karate or something like that i've been waiting to use that pun (gasps) gerardi karate gerardi karate yeah i know you like that i love it like that Mm. this is why i'm generally not on the camera lean into that one (laughs) lean in well with uh, with everything kind of popping on and off, I think we're gonna call her a, an episode. This uh, Sarah, you've been fantastic, and and you've definitely been the greatest trooper of every sing- of any of any one of the uh, guests I've had so far because we've had to wade through the mucky ground that is Canadian internet uh, <laughs> to uh, still put on. I think a very fantastic show with some fantastic discussion, both from you, Dan, and from our commenters. Yeah. So in the meantime. For more Trek discussion, check out the other podcasts on the Trek Geeks Network. You can find them all around, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or even trekgeeks.com. And the latest Rewind is coming out right away, too. So, Sarah, you should tell us about what you're talking about in the late next uh, episode of Rewind. Yes, I do believe it will be dropping on Thursday. And in this one, Haley and I revisited that fantastic holodeck episode, The Big Goodbye. Do we say see it? Do we say skip it? Yeah, step on it. (laughs) (laughs) I am excited to see what you guys have to say because I think this is a see it episode. Dan and Bill are wrong. Something has frozen. Yep, she did. Uh, I I think Sarah froze. I I enjoyed the episode and I'm looking forward to her, uh, their intake or their take on the show. (laughs) Yeah, Sarah, repeat yourself. What did you say? I don't remember. Where was I? Where did you lose me at? I lost you at um, whether or not you think it's a see it or a skip it or uh, what we think and and thinking that Dan and Bill are wrong. Oh, Dan and Bill are wrong. That's just all that needs to be said, really. Is that all you have a listen? We have a good laugh. Good. Is that that all you guys really say on the show is just be like, hi, this is Sarah and Haley. Welcome to Trek Rewind and where we prove Dan and Bill wrong. 
You know what? That would be for a really quick and easy to edit type of recording, if you ask me. But right. no, we get into some other stuff on this one. We're talking about our top 10 favorite episodes of all time. And then I made the mistake of asking the listeners what we should broach on. So there's some good humor on a, a some fan fiction topic that's uh, it's pretty funny. So I cried awesome. well, laughing while <laughs> recording. So. Well, that's perfect. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to listening to it myself. So uh, oh, just so you know, if if you can't attend the live stream, uh, especially with all the bumpins and the jumpins that are happening with the internet here, fret not, you can download the audio version of the podcast the next day. Just search for Trek Geeks uh, Picard Live on your favorite podcasting platform. Of course, we are always happy to have um, the fine folks at Five Year Mission, Mission giving us our shows. And then, of course, there is Sarah with the man himself, the cardboard cutout of Sir Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard. So with that... Just chilling, chilling like a villain, but not a villain unless he's Locutus. No, he's not. Well, with that, we thank you everyone for uh, coming on and uh, listening. It's been wonderful. And I do like the idea of Kirk Schwinn saying that a new drinking game, every time the internet freezes, take a shot. Um, You'd be pretty drunk this episode. So uh, uh, if anyone did, um, well, don't uh, make sure you get a ride home. Yeah, Yeah, be safe. Get a ride home. Drink some water. Get good sleep. That'll kill the germs, though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah that'll kill it well if you are um uh, dealing with the issues of uh, the world right now know that star wars star yeah that star wars is good but star trek is your friend i was gonna Better. make a star wars comment <laughs> after that i was gonna say what i was originally gonna say for my script that i wrote is star trek will make you feel great and star wars will do all right but uh, if you're gonna binge on anything you've got hours and hundreds and hundreds of hours of uh, Star Trek to watch on your various uh, platforms. So do so. And I think that some some podcasting um, output's going to probably go up quite high as some podcasters end up having to st- spend time in their household. There you go. Well said. All right. Well, good night, everyone. Have a good evening, and we'll see you next week with better internet, I promise. Live long and prosper. <laughs> <laughs>